Hey everyone, happy Thursday. My name is Alex Volkov. I'm an AI evangelist with Weights and Biases, and this is Thursday AI. We had such a great show today. Over 1,100 of you tuned in to the live recording, which is incredible. I also wanted to say that if you're not subscribed to Thursday.news newsletter, please go ahead and do it because I send a full blog with the links to the show notes and to the speakers that we have on stage and you should be able to follow up. There's a bunch of multimedia like videos that are not coming through in the audio only podcast format. So please subscribe to Thursday.news as well. This live recording, we also hosted Maxime Lebon, who's a senior machine learning scientist with JP Morgan and the author of several models and merged models. Lately, the neural beagle model that we've talked about. We had a great conversation with Maxime and that full episode will be posted as a Sunday special evergreen content episode. So please stay tuned for that. It's been an incredibly illuminating conversation in the world of merging and uh, merge kit and uh, everything else that Maxime does. And it was a super cool conversation. So that's coming soon. And as I've been doing recently, the following is going to be a seven minute segment from the end of the live recording, summarizing everything we've talked about. I hope you've been enjoying these TLDR intros. Please let me know in the comments if this is something that's helpful to you. All right. We started with talking about today, Thursday, I, January 18th. We're talking about News Hermes, the mixture fine tune that came out from Technium and the folks at News. It, it was uh, the first fine tune of Mixtral, the mixture of experts model from Mistral that came from the News research folks. And it released in two versions the DPO only version, SFT plus DPO version, given different data sets they were trained on and actually different capabilities. It looks based on the community, the DPO version is like very well performing. I've been running this on my uh, MacBook with uh, LM Studio and it really performs well. So shout out uh, and folks should try this. This is by far the best, looks like the best news Hermes model based on just benchmarks that trained on the best open source model that's currently Mixtral. Mixtral is number seventh in the world based on LMC's arena, and that's an open source model that we all get to use. Then we've, we've covered the Neural Beagle 14.7b from Maxime LeBon. Maxime also, also joined us for a full interview that you can hear as part of the a podcast episode and Maxim released a neural beagle which is a merge plus a DPO fine-tune and it's one of the top performing seven billion parameters on the open LLM leaderboard when released in a few days ago now it's fourth so the speed with which things change is quite incredible we then covered the LMSYS SG Lang attempt as a 5x performance inference 
bunch of techniques together on the front end and the back end called Radix attention on the back end and, and uh, the SGLang way to run through inference code on the front end that combines into almost a 5x performance on inference. 5x is incredible. Nistan mentioned that it does less than 5x on like longer sequences. And then we, we had a conversation about where it could improve significantly, which is agents, and agents are sending short sequences. Alignment Labs told us that this could be significant improvement in that area. So our agents are about to run way faster. A 5x improvement is just incredible. And we also mentioned that at the same day when this was released, another optimization was shouted out by Tim Dietmers from the QLora fame called Marlin that also improves by 4x some significant inference techniques. And I wonder if those can be compiled together in some way, but quite impressive. We also covered neural magic doing sparsification and sparse, and we did in, in a deep dive into a short deep dive. Thank you, Alignment, and thank you, Austin, for what sparsification means. And they do in this for like major models, and they compress them with sparsification on like 50% sparsity. It's zeroing out the weights that you don't actually use, and it makes the models like significantly smaller. We covered Desilang a little bit. We didn't actually get to the AI art and diffusion. I'll just read out those updates as well. Then we covered that OpenAI had new guidelines for upcoming elections, and they're trying to add techniques for folks to identify DALI-generated images, and they're adding restrictions to how their LLMs are used in the context of voter suppression, etc. We then talked about DeepMind and Alpha Geometry, where DeepMind released and open sourced, looks like, a model called Alpha Geometry that uses neurosymbolic approach with two models that uh, solves geometry at almost a gold medal at the Olympiad level, so uh, geometry Olympiads, and quite impressive, this release from, from DeepMind and Shoutout. It was trained on 100 million synthetic data set sources, a source from like more than 1 billion or so random examples, and it's quite impressive, so shout out DeepMind uh, as well. We also briefly mentioned Samsung that has uh, Samsung S24, their flagship uh, phone that now Apple is needed to compete with, that has AI everywhere, uses the new Qualcomm chip, and uh, has AI in pretty much summarization. Everywhere there's like a button with the sparkles with AI. And one cool thing that we haven't mentioned, but I saw MKBHD on Twitter review, is that they added real-time translation of calls. So you can literally call some people with a different language. And on-device translation, after you download the model on-device, will actually be able to translate this in real-time. So you can read what the other person said in different language, but also hear it. And that's like quite cool. Then we had a deep interview with Maxime Bone, the author of many things. Recently, we've talked about Fixtral or Fixtral, the mixture of experts of the Phi models. We've talked about merges. Maxime had a great explanation on, on, on his blog and then on the Hugging Face blog about what merges, what merge kit does and how that plays into the whole ecosystem, the top. LLM leaderboard now have been taken over by merges, specifically likely because merging models does not require additional computer, additional training, and that's fairly easy to do with just the code. Merges takes and combines with different using different algorithms like Slurp and other algorithms. It combines different models and different weights from different models, including potentially building models of novels of sizes. So we've seen 10 billion parameter models, like 120 billion parameters. So you can use those techniques to combine models or merge models into different ways. There's also Franken-merge, 
that uses different <laughs> models to combine into one. So we, we dove into that and what's the inspiration for merging and, and what it actually does. Maxim also released like Lazy Merge Kit, which is a thin wrapper on top of the Merge Kit from Charles Goddard. So shout out to Charles. So we had a very interesting interview about merging and uh, thank you, Maxim, for joining us. Definitely worth a listen as well. And then we had breaking news from uh, Big Zuck and, and the, the Meta team that talked about, he, he gave an update about the number of GPUs that they have. And by the end of this year, they're talking about 350,000 NVIDIA H100s and overall 600,000 H100s or equivalents of compute, which they're going to use for AI and Metaverse. And definitely a great update. They're training Llama 3 right now. The stuff that we didn't get to, but I wanted to update, there is a, and I will add in show notes, there's a stable diffusion code that runs 100% in the browser with WebGPU and Diffusers.js, a thread from ClipDrop, CEO Cyril Diagne. And there's also, we've talked about DesiEI, the company that releases a bunch of models. There is Desi Diffusion, a text-to-image model with only 370, 300, sorry, 732 million parameters it's twice as fast and 61% cheaper than Stable Diffusion with the same image quality, so that getting improved. Uh, but I think they're talking about Stable Diffusion 1.4, so not SDXL or the new one. And uh, DCI also released this decoder, and we also covered the Stable Diffusion coder that is a coding model that runs closer on device, a 3 billion parameter model that beats code Llama 7b. I think that's most of the stuff we talked about. And then one of the major things that Umesh brought, we've talked about corporate drama, <laughs> maybe a new segment in Thursday Eye where Microsoft uh, did some things that actually disrupted workflows and companies' actual products built on top of Microsoft, which is uh, considerably not great and, and led to a fight. And hopefully not, but potentially a legal battle as well. And that's not something that should be done by a cloud provider such as Microsoft, very ugly. In addition to this, we also talked about Microsoft announcing the Copilot Pro that's now open for small businesses for 20 bucks a month with no minimum seats as well. And I think that's most of the things that we've mentioned. Let's go. Welcome everyone, yet another Thursday I Coming to you from, I guess today is January 18th, mid of January 2024. We all need to get used to say 2024 at this point. We have a bunch of AI news. My name is Alex Volkov. I'm an AI evangelist with Weights and Biases. And I'm joined on stage here with dear friends, co-host of Thursday AI podcast newsletter, live X recording, community, I don't know. A bunch of other stuff as well. <laughs> Nistin does paper readings as a semi-part of this as well. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. I will just say a few things before we get started. So first of all, uh, for those of you who are new, who are listening to this, uh, to this for the first time, first of all, welcome. It's great that you have found us. Please DM me with like how you found this. I would love to know as I'm looking into the channels, etc. However, I will say that we've been here every week pretty much at the same time. I don't think we've changed time since the summer. So 8.30 a.m. Pacific. And we try to do this every Thursday. I think we missed one or two. I was sick once. Apologies. But other than that, we're here to talk about AI every week. And what happens often is <laughs> as we as we talk about things, different breaking news happen and folks announce different stuff on Thursdays. And we cover pretty much a very broad spectrum in AI changes. So I know there's like spaces to talk about diffusion, specifically art spaces as well. So we cover diffusion to an extent, but we try to focus on, 
I guess our main focus is open source, LLMs, we love those. We have a bunch of folks here on stage. They're training and fine-tuning uh, the, the greatest kind of open source models and definitely follow up on the different, how should I say, different techniques like the merging stuff that we're going to talk to at length later. And we we hopefully get to hear about them first before they take over Hugging Face, which was the case, I think, with some of the models and some of the techniques. And I see two more folks joining us as well from the different areas of the open source community. So I will say welcome LDJ and welcome Alignment. I think LDJ, you've been missing in action. I was just saying, how are you, man? Welcome back. Yeah, I'm doing good. Awesome. Glad to be back. Yeah. And uh, also we have Austin, aka Alignment Lab. What's up, Austin? Oh, dude, you're great. I was actually just on a call with LDJ and he was like, oh, Thursday I starting. And I was like, let's go. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I like to hear. That the calendar event is popping off and Thursday I is starting. So with that, I think it's time for the open source stuff. Open source AI, let's get it started. All right, so welcome to probably the biggest, the most fun, the most contentful section of Thursday AI, where we talk about open source LLMs and LMMs, I guess we should also start mentioning because a bunch of these models that we see are also multimodal. And I guess we'll start with news. Hermes fine-tune on Mixtral. We've been waiting for this, Mixtral was released I want to say a month or so ago, a month and a half ago. And now we're getting one of the top kind of data sets and fine tunes trained on Mixtral. And we're getting this in multiple formats. Again, shout out Technium. The, if, if you guys don't follow Technium yet, what are you even doing showing up on, on, on Thursday? I definitely give Technium a follow. But Mixtral uh, fine tune is available and it comes in two variants and SFT and then DPO and SFT only. So SFT is a supervised fine tuning and DPO, direct preference optimization. This is like a, not a new technique, but definitely has been around for a while. Many people are using DPOs at this point. We've talked about DPO multiple times. I think we also saw, Nistan, correct me if I'm wrong, the actual mixtural instruct is also DPO, right? We saw this in the paper. So DPO is everywhere. And this is not the first time that SFT and DPO pairs getting released separately. I think we've chatted with John Durbin, whose shout out John is in the audience, and that conversation is on the feed. So definitely check out the conversation with John. And the Bagel models were also released separately with SFT and the DPO version as well. And I think John back then mentioned that each one has different different things it's good at. And I also would love to figure out which one of the new news Hermes mixtural fine tunes is best at what. Technium has a bunch of stuff in, in that thread, so I'll link this below for examples. And I will say that the comparisons to Mixtral Instruct, Technium posted a bunch of comparisons to Mixtral Instruct, and it's interesting that not all of the benchmarks look like on improvements. There's a few, I think, on GPT-4All and HelloSwag, the base model, at least the non-DPO-based model, is still wins just by a little bit. But everything else, like ARCs and AGI, eval, and MMLU, are significant improvements. And we're going to probably continue to see those improvements. Shout out. If you have tried it, please let me know. I will say this last thing, that finally, after setting up LM Studio, again, shout out to LM Studio. We'll get to chat with LM Studio at one point, hopefully soon. I am now 
the first thing I do is download these models because it's super, super easy. Both of them, Studio and Olama. And there was a tiny, I think, quantization thing in the beginning. And now there isn't. And now it works great. And these models, I've loaded them up on my Mac before, before a flight. And I was just able to chat with this AI with no internet connection or like poorly internet connection. It was really something. I, I know we've talked about this multiple times. Hey, put this on a, a thumb drive and then have all of human knowledge, quote unquote, I'm not really saying it's all of human knowledge, but I've been actually able to do this before my flight and it was really cool. And I think the last thing that, uh, to mention here is that Technium suggests to make liberal use of system prompts. So all of Hermes models, which is, there's now a bunch of Hermes models uh, flying around, definitely the most, at least famous one is uh, Hermes, I think, 7B. Uh, but also the the E version, and this seems to beat the E version as far as our friend Wolfram Raven Wolf from Local Lama uh, tested. This is probably the best news model out of them all so far. Obviously, it's based on the best open source model called Mixtral, and definitely liberal use of system prompts. Yeah, role play is suggested, setting expectations, specifications, and everything else you can think of. Very easy to do with Elm Studio. I haven't dove into like actually how to steer these models for exactly the task that I do. Luigi, you said, LDJ, you said that you want to tell me how to use LM Studio in regards on this. So I would love to hear from you. First of all, have you had a chance to try these models specifically? And second of all, let's talk about system prompts in LM Studio a little bit, because I think it's a part that people are definitely missing. Yeah, a lot of the latest models like Hermes and I think maybe Dolphin 2 trained with system prompts. So if you really want to get the best use out of it, definitely use that and it's just same thing with chat gpt really where give instructions of how you maybe want to have it respond to you or maybe add in a few threats of of what you would do to the ai if it does not respond correctly <laughs> <laughs> and so surprisingly that seems to actually sometimes give good results i personally try to always say please and thank you but yeah yeah and there's also prefix and suffixes which i think i talked to you about alex you briefly uh, mentioned where, this but maybe worth like giving a little bit of a heads up for folks yeah, I think it really is worth maybe just like sit down and just a video with me and you actually going through it because, you know, sure. it's decent amounts to go through. But yeah, on the model card of most models, if you just look at something called prefix or suffix that is usually described in the model card, then you apply that to the LM Studio settings on the right panel in the chat settings. And yeah, you just make sure you have those things right. If you don't, there's a good chance you're not actually using the model correctly. It's not going to give you the best result. And they differ from the base model as well. Like we've seen like different base models have different things that you want to, you want to add there and you may getting like the same performance, but getting underperformed a little bit. I'll also say for folks who are using Mac, the Silicon, Apple Silicon, there's a little hidden checkbox there that I don't know if it's like, it's by default already. It's called use Apple metal and definitely make sure that's on for you. Significant improvement in performance and inference. Right, so I think Neuroarmus, anything else on folks here on stage that want to talk about this model and how it was trained and the difference in DPO, folks feel free to chime in. The cool thing about DPO is it's, so it's a reinforcement learning technique. I don't know if anyone else has had a chance to read the paper about it, but essentially what occurred was that some researchers found that the, that transformers already have a big den optimal reward function. And so what DPO is really doing is just training the model on that reward function, just biasing it towards those selected, like good example, when you give it a good and bad example pairs, not directly unique to, to, the, to this model, but it is 
super interesting because it, it really opens up a whole bunch of possibilities with what you can do with the model you know that you can get negative examples and get more performance for it the dpo is ranking different outputs in terms of like preference and so can you talk about the pairs yeah. stuff everybody says dpo pairs like mm-hmm. what, what do they mean by pairs could you say this about so, this Instead of training on, like typically what you would do is you would build your data set and that would be like your good data set. And you'd have a weaker model that you, than the one that you use to synthesize the data set or just bad examples of responses for every single example in the data set. So if you have one that's like, how do I make a cup of tea? And then instructions about how to make a cup of tea, then you'd also have that paired with a negative example of a response to how do I make a cup of tea? And then the response is something else like how to build a Lego house or whatever. And when you go to actually train it, you show it both at once and you tell it which one is the positive and which one's a negative, and you just bias it towards positive. It's, it's quite similar conceptually to the way that OpenChat does the CRLT training, although OpenChat actually has a, a specific token for the good and bad examples that it has weighted. But Functionally, it's the idea is the same. You're, you're just doing reinforcement learning, which lets you take data where you may have bad examples in there. And rather than having to remove them and waste data, you can now make a good example and get more out of it than you would have been by just replacing it. So it, it lets you recoup extra performance out of bad data. Thanks for the explanation. And definitely we've seen, at least in my again plays with, with the, the bigger model and the DPO version of news. Hermes Mixtral, this feels like the DPO at least behaves a little bit. I actually don't know to attribute this yeah, to the technique or it, to the really data sets, but it's really good. Yeah, we've noticed if we do a regular supervised fine-tune first, like just normal fine-tuning, and then we DPO over that, we the models push just much further than either thing alone to. I don't know if that's unilaterally true because we do a fairly specific kind of model when we make these big releases, but... It seems, at least for the case of just general reasoning skill, it helps a lot. Yeah, it's super cool. And I guess <laughs> the the downside of this, not the downside, but the, the outcome of some of this is that folks now have, folks who want to just use a model uh, and uh, are trying to maybe tune into Thursday I to, to know which model is good to use, or maybe they're reading the local Llama stuff. There's now so many choices, including so many configurations. So maybe we should do like a, a recap and also a simplification LDJ for so like system messages and the prefixes alignment with DPO versus SFT. Just simplify and say, hey folks, use this because right now there's so many, you can choose between quantization methods. There's at least four or five different ones for you to choose from. And LM Studio says on a few of them, use this is recommended, but it says recommended for five, five different ones. There's different quantization providers as well, right? So the bloke is obviously the most familiar one. There's now a choice between DPO or SFT or DPO plus SFT. And we haven't even begun to talk about merges, which is coming as well. So there's a lot of choice and we need to simplify this for folks. So definitely just to simplify, the Hermes models are usually very well behaved and great for role play as well. Try them out. If you have the room to run Mixtrol for your stuff, Mixtrol is definitely by far the best open source models that we have. Go ahead, Lament. Yeah, so Mixtrol is... Get that model is the architecture is very similar to a really old, uh, comparatively old architecture that's been tried and true before. And so because of that, there's a lot of efficiencies that we just haven't integrated into the modern stack, but that will come. And there's a bunch of new ones that people have been making. 
And between the new quantization methods that you could do with Mixtrol, because since it's parsimoe, it doesn't actually need all of its weights as much as it as as each other. So some of them are like less important. It lets you quantize those quite a lot without actually hurting the model's performance very much. And you can also offload these layers when they're not being used. And then you can do like expert pre-caching where you predict some experts ahead of time, which lets you get faster inference speed. And at the end of the day, if the sort of oh, quick sharp, which is looks like two-vet quantization method that continues to prove out that it's as performant as it claims, we could end up running Mixtral on four gigs of VRAM on uh-huh. a laptop. And we will. We, we will. just needed to uh, perform a yep. bit better. So I guess uh, this takes us to the next. Oh, go ahead, Nistan. Then it's going to take us to the next optimization stuff. Well, you could definitely have it run on on four gigs. Like I've had it little above four. However, the, the, but the point is to have it run well. And the quantization, it, it still makes it a little bit unfit for anything other than very short conversations. Uh, and we'll get it there. Yeah. All right. So in this, in, in this yeah, point, we'll, we'll think... have Mitchell under four gigs very soon and it will be good. Yes. And that's a Let's promise. <laughs> that's a promise. So, so what happens is once you go and put those bigger models on slower hardware, which is possible, you then wait painfully a long time for inference to actually happen. But this takes us to the next thing from the folks from LMSYST. They released a fast and expressive LLM inference with Radix Attention and SG Lang. So folks from LMSYST, if you guys remember from models like Vicuna that took Llama and trained it on additional datasets and LMCs Arena and all these places, like we definitely trust them, at least with some of the, of the evaluation stuff. I think is MMLU also LMCs's area, or at least they, they test on MMLU. They released a inference optimization kind of collection of techniques. I don't think it's one specific technique because there's it's, like Radix attention. Yeah, go ahead. It's where all this was going in the first place between all these sort of different prompting programming frameworks and inference engines. What they've done is they built out the back end with the end goal of having an extremely controllable steerable compiling system for programming outputs from a, from like an AI in the way like a pydantic or in the way that you would typically use sort of structured grammars and sampling techniques and way more it, it's hard to explain in in summary in a way that's very easily grokkable without getting too technical but it's a combination of many things that we've been doing individually which were always going to be one big thing they just saw it first and did it first and now when you're looking at it, it seems very obvious that this is probably how things should look going forward um, so let's actually talk about w- overall, w- w- what they have yeah they propose like the, uh, different co-designing the backend runtime and the front-end language which is like alignment said a structure the main specific language embedded in Python to control the inference generation process. It's called the main specific language, DSLs. And I think many folks have been using some of this. I think DSPYs as well from Omar Khattab is being like mentioned in the same breath. And then this language like executed in the interpreter code or in compiler code. And on the back end, they have this Radix attention, technique for automatic and efficient KV cache reuse. I don't know if that's like Nissan said, like MOE specific or not yet, but definitely the combination of those two plus the code that they've released 
shows just incredible results. Like folks, we live in the age, and we've talked about multiple of those techniques. We live in the age where somebody like this can come up and say, hey, here's an example of a set of techniques that if you use them, you get 5x improvement on inference. In the same breath, they were saying, hey, we're going to take uh, Mixtral and put it in, in four gigabytes. And we've seen this, obviously, with Stable Diffusion, which we're going to mention uh, that runs fully in the browser. Uh, we're now seeing uh, releases like this from a very reputable place, a collection of techniques that have been used to some extent by some folks, and now all under one roof, under one like GitHub thing that actually improves the inference by 5x on all of the major evaluations, at least, that they've tested that we always talk about. So 5x on MMLU, and HelloSwag is significantly more performant, React Agent, React, like all, all these things, quite impressive. One thing that I would definitely want to shout out is that the maintainer of Lava, the LMM, the, the kind of the visual a llama uh, is definitely also uh, replied and said that the, the execution of llama is actually uh, sorry, of lava is actually written in the report itself, and it improves lava execution by five x as well. And by execution, I mean like inference speed, basically. So without going like too much into Radix's attention, because honestly, it's uh, way too heavy for the space. Uh, it's quite incredible <laughs> that, that we get that we get stuff like this uh, from like places like LMSys. Um, Specifically in Do the area of running smaller models, uh, sorry, running bigger models on smaller hardware. Go ahead, Nissan. I'll say something. So it, it does automate a lot of the tricks that that people have been have been pulling, and it works great for large amounts of smaller prompts. Once you go to longer prompts, the benefit is not that much compared to VLLM. I think it felt like five or ten percent faster when it came to to VLLM. So again, I haven't taken a very deep dive into it. Just want to just make pe people aware that, that yeah, it's fantastic for smaller prompts and stuff, but for longer ones, you don't necessarily need to switch your whole stack to it. VLM still works fine. Yeah, I think for if you're doing like what you would normally be doing with VLM, which is like processing like large amounts of data or serving for just general purposes, probably there's no need to switch your stack. I think for specifically what feels optimized for is Asian frameworks in which you have many models communicating short strings back to each other, one model wearing many hats. And uh, the optimizations, just while we're on the topic, is crazy right now. There's still three papers with major inference optimizations for Mixtral alone, as well as VLLM, and mm -hmm. that seem to compose with everything pretty well. And having an alternative to VLLM that's similarly performant is huge because VLLM is a big bottleneck on a lot of stacks because of the way that it handles attention off on the CPU. It feels a lot like when Llama CPP got like offloading the same week that speculative decoding came out with ugly based transformers and everything just got a hundred times faster like a half a year ago or so. Yeah. I would also, it definitely felt like that day when LMCs released the SGLang optimization that we're just now talking about. I don't have a link for this, but also Elias released from IST Austria, released Marlin, which is a four, I think the way I know it's cool is that Tim Dittmers from QLore retweeted this and said, this is a huge step forward. And Tim Dittmers is the guy in CUDA mode, the, the codes CUDA kernels within like a night or something, planning for three months and then finishing. So I know that Tim Dittmers, when he says something is a huge deal, he probably probably knows what's up. So Marlin released the same day that like this SG Lang released, and it's a linear kernel for LM entrance with near ideal 4x speed up, up to batch sizes of 
16 to 32 tokens. And they came out pretty much the same day yesterday on January 17th. So I'm going to add this in the show notes. So Marlin is also like an exciting optimization. And Austin, I fully agree with you where we see these breakthroughs or collections of methods that suddenly are finally collected in the same way. A bunch of papers that haven't released code as well or haven't played with different things. And it's very exciting to see them keep coming out. We're only at the beginning of this year. And I think to the second point that you just mentioned with agent frameworks, specifically RAG, uh, Retrieval Augmented Generation, this benefit is significant. Like you said, because the short strings back and forth, this agent communicate with each other. Last week, we've talked with one such author from Crew AI. Crew specifically is an orchestration of different agents that do different tasks and, and coordinate and talk to each other and improving inference there. M- many of them run on GPT-4. And I haven't fully gotten into how to do this yet, but SGLang also said that their like LLM programming can actually work with various backends. So OpenAI as well, and Tropic and Gemini and local models. That's very interesting if they actually improve OpenAI inference in Python. But DSPY RAG, so a RAG on, on DSPYs from Omar Hatab is, is definitely mentioned in the SGLang report. I know I'm throwing like a lot of a, a, a lot of acronyms on you guys. So SGLang is the stuff we talk about as the the, the new language from LMCSorg that speeds up some stuff. DSPY we haven't talked about yet, so we'll cover. But one of the tasks on 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 DSPY's RAG, so retrieval, is mentioned that it gets like a significant boost. Like Nissan and Austin said, not necessarily for longer context uh, prompts. So if you if you shove like thirty thousand tokens for summarization, maybe this technique that caches a bunch of stuff between calls is not going to be super helpful, but for fast execution of multiple things is definitely significant effects. And like I think Alignment said, it's only the beginning of optimization cycles that we see, and it's quite exciting to, to see them come out. I think we've covered two optimization techniques, SGLang and then Marlin as well. I'll put a link to the show notes as well. And I think now it's time to move to... Yeah, one one thing that we're going to chat about is neural magic. And I definitely folks on stage, feel free to talk about neural magic because I saw somebody told me it's cool, but I have no idea how to even simplify this. So uh, if you want, Austin, you want to take a lead on this one, definitely feel free. Okay, neural magic. This is actually the first conversation I think that me and LDJ both geeked out really hard on we were talking because we were both the only people the other person knew who even knew about this company. Neuromagic has been making miracles in the corner for years. I first got interested in them because they had made a BERT model that was initially, it was nearly like, I think, a gig on your computer to run and but spoke English perfectly well and all this other stuff. And they had compressed it to the point that the full model completely on your computer was like 15 megabytes. And it and what blew my mind was like, how does that even know English? And it, it was at like 96% the original accuracy, despite all of that. They specialize in these like optimization and compression techniques. And so what they do typically is they have a stack, which they wrote a paper about a while ago, which I'll post in the comments here. It's called overt surgeon, which is basically a process in which they have a teacher model and a student model and the student model, they use distillation in the, the more traditional sense that I think it's more commonly used now where you're just training on a model's output and they use the actual logits during, they basically load both models in during the training run and train the smaller model to behave like the larger model. And while they're doing that, they're also pruning it, which is essentially you reduce the, 
the weights that are not getting used during training to zero, which lets your computer like not have to calculate them. So it moves much faster. And uh, then they also quantize, which is where you reduce the accuracy. Basically, um, without getting the, too technical, you're, you're literally summarizing the parameters of the model such that it's literally a smaller file. Uh, and they do this all at once, <clears throat> which takes the larger model and compresses it into the student model that's starting out smaller. And then they're quantizing the student model and pruning it. So both running faster and literally getting smaller. And they can, as far as I'm aware, there's nobody who's even coming close as far as being able to compress a model so much. And recently, I think about two months ago, we first saw that they're integrating transformers with Sparsify Alpha, which is now just out and it's called Sparsify on the GitHub. You totally check it out. You can make a tiny llama and do all that stuff to it and make it microscopic. It's amazing. And so questions here, Austin, yeah. just real quick. So we've been talking about quantization for folks who are like not following the space like super closely. Let's say there's different quantization techniques in, and uh, some of them create like smaller files, but the performance or like the accuracy is getting lowered. How is sparsification different from quantization, at least on the basic level? Are they compatible? Will, will they be used? Could you use both of them on the same file? Yeah. What is this thing, sparsification? So in reality... Probably if it were like more accessible of a tool, we would all likely just be doing both every single training run. But since there's always new quantization techniques, it doesn't make sense to. But with sparsification, the specific difference is rather than taking the same model and reducing the accuracy of its of the calculations by making it smaller, <clears throat> the model's staying the same size physically on your drive, but you're reducing the weights that aren't getting used to to a zero value and what that does is just means your your gpu just has to do less calculations for the model to do inference and it makes it just much faster all right also we for the next baklava version neural magic did make a, a, a clip model for us so shout out to them they were able to cut down the size by about four times smaller so we'll we'll have that out soon and yeah also for anybody else that wants to learn about sparsity just look up a near shavit on on youtube n-i-r-s-h-a-v-i-t he's the mit professor that pioneered sparsity and has a, a lot of videos out and neural magic is his company and uh, yeah it, it's looking really promising in the future because they can optimize at a deep level for cpu inference and it's not necessarily just quantization. It's also they are reducing the amount of unused weights. So, yeah, I expect to see a lot more stuff about sparsity from the GPU poor side of the spectrum <laughs> because that's where the benefits are yet to be reaped. Okay. Anyway, shout out to Neural Magic as well. Yeah. Shout out to, to Neuroshavit and, and Neural Magic. Uh, it looks uh, cool. And they just got into uh, sparsifying uh, fine tuned models as well. I think they, they sparsified some new models. And uh, I don't know if they got to open chat yet, but uh, I think some folks are waiting for phi sparsification. Uh, definitely the area of smaller models running with smaller hardware is advancing super, super fast. Let's move on, folks, because we've been in open source area for quite a while. And then we also need to, to get to our to the end of our conversations here and start doing deep dives. So StarCoder was released from Stability. Uh, a brief review here is a 3 billion parameter uh, language model. 
from Stability AI. It does code completion and obviously runs offline because it's a small model and you can run it. They claim it can run on MacBook Airs as well. And they say something like without GPU, interesting. Uh, accurate completion across 18 languages at level comparable to models twice the size. This is a code llama. Uh, interesting comparison to code llama at this point because we've seen a bunch of other models already beat, I think, code llama on, on different metrics. Uh, but people still compare themselves to the big dog. Uh, and, and it's very interesting. They use the multi-stage process, uh, pre-training a natural language and fine-tuning on code data sets to improve programming language performance. And it supports fill in the middle and expanded context sizes compared to previous versions of Stable Coder. And I think, oh yeah, Stable Diffusion now has like a commercial membership plan because everybody's thinking about, okay, how is Stable going to make money? So they have this membership where, where you can use their models so it's not like fully open source, I think. You can use these models commercially if you participate in this membership. Otherwise, you can use them for research. So Stable Corder, check it out. I think it's new on, on Hugging Face, I think, from today, I believe. And I think the last thing that I want to chat about in open source just briefly is Neural Beagle 7B from Maxim, who's in the audience and is going to come up hopefully in the interview in a few minutes, I want to say, maybe 20 minutes, Maxim. Neural Beagle, back when I added this to my notes, was the top performing 7 billion parameter fine-tune in, in, in open source LLM leaderboard. It's no longer the top performing, but it's definitely number four, at least. And it's a, it's a merge plus a DPO. And that's what I saw from Maxim. A merge of... Actually, interesting what it's a merge of. So let's go into the model card and check this out. But Maxim looks like have a bunch of models. And Neural Beagle, the, the Neural Beagle 14, 7 billion parameters, has an average of 60 on the all the scores. 46 on AGI eval and yeah it's one of the top performing models and, and it's a merge of different things and it already has a demo space that I'll link in the show notes as well yeah it uses lazy merge kit which is a collab that Maxim also we're going to chat about and figure out what this means what this merging thing means but definitely I think that this model triggered and an, uh, one of the Nathans in AI that says hey I wanted to ignore this merge business for a while but I guess I can't anymore because merges is not to be <laughs> ignored at this point and this is a merge of the Una Beagle and the distilled Marcoro Slurp, so which is also a merge. So if you guys hear me and you're like confused, like what are all these things mean? Hopefully we'll be able to clarify this with Maxim. Maxim also had a, a tweet where there's now a collab where you can take a model like this and basically map out the genealogy of these models, what is based on what, and it's quite cool to see. And what else should I say about this model? I think that's pretty much it. it. It's very performative. I actually haven't had the chance to use this, but it's right up there, and it's a merge model. There is there's the checkbox, like we said, in the OpenLLM leaderboards. If you don't want, for some reason, to see the merge models, and you'll see like more trained models, you will uncheck that. But definitely, the merge models are <clears throat> competing for the top of the LLM leaderboards right now. Haven't seen a lot of them on the LMC Serena. So it's going to be interesting to see how they treat the merge models. And I think that's most on open source and we, we've given this corner almost 40 minutes. So I think it's it's time to move on a little bit here, folks. So I'll, yeah, I don't have breaking news here. So I'll just look do this. A small transition so I can take a breath. <laughs> All right, we're moving towards the big companies, LLMs and APIs. And I think the biggest player in this whole area right now, uh, or like one of the biggest, we, we've been waiting for them and, you know, they gave us some stuff, is DeepMind. DeepMind uh, released 
a nature article, which they always do, they always publish in nature. This time the link to nature article didn't really work, but hopefully they fix it by now. And they released alpha geometry. So they released like a bunch of stuff. AlphaFold, if you remember, AlphaGo, AlphaZero, they had a, a model that, that self-trains to play anything, not only chess or not only Go. And now they've released alpha geometry that solves geometry at almost a gold medal level at the at the olympiad level so they have this uh, how should i say this nice chart that says the previous state of the art on this olympiad olympiad gold medalist standard got into 10 problems solved there's like time limits i'm not sure what the time limits are actually are i don't have it in my notes but you have to solve these like very like difficult geometry levels folks compete for the gold medals in this olympiad and the alpha geometry now comes very close to the gold medalist standard so the gold medalist is answers 25.9 problems solved and alpha geometry now answers 25 and they claim that the previous state of the art answered 10 just 10 so they more than doubled and they're getting close to the olympiad i think i saw like a tweet from nat friedman or somebody that says they would offer one million dollar prize for somebody who solves the geometry olympiad at the gold medal and now we're getting there they use a newer symbolic approach and they combine llm with a symbolic deduction engine to leverage the strength of both which some folks compare to thinking fast and slow, where you have system one, system two thinking, or at least the outline system one, system two thinking. In, in this case, this does actually help. They have the neurosymbolic approach. Uh, I think they use this, the neurosymbolic approach. I, I don't think I've seen this before. And I think the most interesting parts is it was trained on over 100 million synthetic geometry examples generated from one, 1 billion random diagrams, completely solely synthetic geometry examples. This whole data set for training of this model that beats uh, humans at geometry, which was like different, uh, previously very difficult, is fully uh, synthetic. And I think that's super cool. And <laughs> we only begun this year, but definitely this is going to be the year where uh, a, a, a full synthetic data sets are going to rule. And yeah, opinions, folks here on stage. Have you read about this? What's interesting to you? I would love to hear folks kind of chime in on this as well because I think it's like super cool and kudos for them to releasing this. Also, I saw somebody said, I think Bindu said that they released this open source, but I haven't seen anything. Definitely Luigi Go and then Nistan. Yeah, it's funny that you brought up Nat Friedman having that bet up because I remember that too. And now I'm thinking, I wonder if she'd be willing to give up like the million dollars or whatever the money is to DeepMind. Because <laughs> this was done by Google DeepMind. So that'd be funny. How has Google not discovered AGI yet and fallen so behind? This almost feels like a, an internal illness or something. Something is going on because, uh, yeah. I don't yeah, think that Google and, needs to compete. Is the thing. I just don't think they're incentivized to release anything into the, the space because they don't have to. There's really not anything here except money to lose for them. They already have all the data and stuff. Yeah, and back to the geometry problems. I can't wait to test this if they release it as to how it does when given really random, very long numbers. Uh, if it still solves the problem, then that that will be extremely impressive. And uh, yeah, I've done those math Olympiads with geometry questions, and they're not they're not easy at all. You have to picture stuff in three D and four D and whatever in your head. They're very tricky problems. So yeah, this is pretty huge. That's all. Quite quite huge, and and good on them. Uh, Omesh, I think you you actually found the source, right? 
Hey, yeah. So there is GitHub repo on Google DeepMind. So if you go to Google-DeepMind on GitHub and then Alpha Geometry, you can find the code repo for that. So listen, if you want to test it out, it's there for you. So I'm well, I just want to hark on this just like for a little bit. Did Google release code for us finally? Did Google like open source something? Welcome back, Google. <laughs> yeah, so this is like first release kind of thing coming out of Google. So it's going to be, yeah, it is quite, quite interesting. Definitely moves us towards like more oh, generous I'll, agents. I'll have it up in a sec. Yeah, listen, uh, please put this and we'll add this to the show notes as well. Definitely the, the question, how how have they not solved AGI yet? Solving math at the Olympiad level seems like moving us forward. Definitely this neurosymbolic approach where they combine uh, language models with a symbolic deduction engine, which I have no idea what symbolic deduction means in this case, but leveraging strength of both. This seems like going towards the right path. We've seen, I think, similar things with vision as well, where you combine kind of vision vision heads and, and uh, in, into one model they can understand. I don't think this model was multimodal at all. doesn't look like, uh, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong here. And I think, yeah, the, the, the solutions for this thing is verifiable by, by, by machines. Uh, I saw this one tweet that will go down in, in history. Somebody said, computers has always been good for calculations. I don't understand the big deal there. Here and I think <laughs> I think it's really funny to like keep this keep this tweet uh, behind the scenes. All right, so so shout out to DeepMind for this a fairly incredible release. Uh, hopefully, some of the techniques they used will be then used by folks in other areas as well to get us AIs that are significantly better at the geometry and different things. Oh yeah, Omesh, just before before we continue, you want to talk about this neurosymbolic thing? Because we've talked about this, I think Daniel Jeffries talked about this last time we talked about Rabbit. If you guys remember, this was at the end of the last space, we've talked about Rabbit AM, la large action model. And Omesh, you just mentioned something that they also use neurosymbolic to an extent, right? Yeah, so the LAM large action model basically based on neurosymbolic programming for when, basically when they are talking about training the model from the actions that you're going to perform is basically they are encoding neurosymbolic programming to train the model or capture the actions, basically. So that's what, in theory, they are saying. We have to see what comes out in practice. Yeah, and based at least on their examples, it looks like very compelling and potentially like being able to solve a bunch of stuff or like to remember based on your actions. So neurosymbolic, not a new approach. I, I apologize. I will uh, <laughs> edit this. Uh, definitely Rabbit said this. You're right. And uh, hopefully we'll get to see this lamb thing. Um, so back to OpenAI, as elections are happening right now and everybody was fearing like, hey, what's going to happen with deepfakes, etc. OpenAI released their guidelines toward election as they prepare for elections. Obviously, they're aware that they're happening. And I think the few interesting things there, that they're taking steps to prevent their tools like DALI and ChatGPT from being abused. I don't know. We have open source, so I don't know if folks will go to the GPT-4 to generate, let's say, propaganda. But DALI, for example, starts to integrate some cryptography to their images, which is very interesting. Cryptogra cryptography solutions, which again, in case you download the actual file and then send it, could could be a thing. But I don't know if, if somebody takes a screenshot of a DALI generation, if that will apply at all. There are definitely like uh, usage policies for like stuff like charging, enforcing limits on political campaigning, impersonating candidates and discouraging voting. And then they want to run ahead of what happened with Facebook and Cambridge Analytica and like all these things, they want to get ahead of us, which it makes sense. So the technology they use to detect images were generated by DALI. I haven't seen any release on them that says, hey, we'll build a tool for you to actually identify if those 
are generated images or not is going to be interesting because like with LLM writing, all of these tools that you use to like dump AI text in there, they all can be obscured with another LLM. I don't know if it's a futile attempt, but definitely worthwhile one. And at least in the, the basic UI, I think blocking some attempts of destabilizing democracy, I think it's a good idea. And I think that's mostly it. I think there's one different mention that somehow silently they removed where a terms and conditions thing where their outputs is not to be used for war or weapon developing. And I think they removed that. And I think they're also like signed something with Department of Defense. But I think that's all for OpenAI. And then I want to mention about Microsoft and Omesh, definitely feel free to chime in here as well, because that underlines kind of benefit for open source. But quickly, Microsoft announced Copilot. We've talked about Copilot, the kind of previously Bing chat, Copilot everywhere. So they've announced like different paid plans for Copilot Pro, 20 bucks a month premium. And then it does enhanced image creation, which I think we don't even get, we don't even get in, in, in DALI like by default. And it's now generally available for small businesses with no user minimum. So if you guys remember, we've talked about Copilot before, where Microsoft announced it for large enterprises. It integrates into Microsoft 365 everywhere. And now the Copilots are also open for smaller businesses. And soon the, there's going to be like this Copilot studio to build custom GPTs. Very cool for small businesses. We'll see how much actually folks will use this. And there's also some Microsoft saga that they've changed some stuff in their pipeline. So Umesh, you, you mentioned this in the beginning. We'd love to hear from you. What's been going on as as you guys are big Azure users through Microsoft? Yeah, so basically it happened day before yesterday. Actually, we got a call from one of our clients, which is one of the one of a very big financial institution, and we have a deterministic pipeline which was constructed using Azure Studio. In fact, and we worked together with very core Microsoft team actually to make sure that it is like properly deterministic because there are some legal implications and everything. And, and then the tool started failing and because we had some function calling, which would actually go into the knowledge base of company. Uh, and that function calling was, was getting extracted, getting triggered using what you call the deter deterministic intent from user's prompts basically. And, and that entire function calling was failing. Now. We carried out all types of work and everything. It was very frantic because it was a front-end tool and it started having some impact. And it was, remember, it was working for six months. So it's, it worked without any problems for six months and suddenly it just stops working. And the reason was that there were two words that were in the definition of the tool. So that definition of tool was actually informing the pipeline what the tool is all about. And that's how the tool was getting invoked. And those two words basically were getting flagged into the OpenAI API. So we're basically Azure OpenAI API, not OpenAI's direct API. We are routing it through Azure and it's a separate a separate instance of, of GPT-4 and there are separate guidelines. They mimic some of the guidelines that are there in OpenAI, but Microsoft has its own guidelines. And they change the guidelines without actually informing the clients. And mm. that basically triggered. Yeah, so we literally we literally had legal people and literally had fight. It was an open fight, literally, with Microsoft. Uh, if you were in that room, you would have you would have seen it was really bad. And and then eventually there were talks about like cases and stuff like that. And eventually, basically, actually, this company is actually modifying the contract with Microsoft, where Microsoft will be liable to inform the company before they change any kind of guidelines. And you know what happened after that is is the beauty because in the beginning of my startup, like beginning of the year, 
we implemented some solutions where we have a direct contract with Microsoft and we have implemented solution on the backing of the, those contracts. So in last two days, actually, I've gone back to those clients with whom we have implemented solutions so that they have a direct contract with Microsoft because we don't want to be a party involved as far as the SLAs are concerned because this is very dangerous if you are developing solutions for for people and and if the core, sol core solution through which you are driving the entire application pipeline is getting changed without any kind of data contract backing, so to say. Yeah, this is a great learning for us and I've been always a proponent of uh, open source uh, solutions and I think this has given one more kind of a booster to us because now we can go back to the new clients and say, hey guys, if possible, if we give you the kind of solution that you are looking for, then let's go to open source solution rather than going for a closed source solution. So and this is like a, a huge summary. Yeah, a, a huge like reason why, right? Getting, <laughs> it's very interesting, like in this area we mentioned, definitely feel free to chime in on this a little bit more. The outputs of LLMs are usually non-deterministic. And so this has to be built into understanding when you build tools on top of this. But this is not that. This is them adding, not like a different model or something, like a different, that you can switch. They're adding something in between or some like policy thing without announcing this to the customers. And supposedly, if you go to Azure instead of OpenAI, for example, you would go for the most stability as underlined by the fact that when OpenAI had downtime after Dev Day, Microsoft Azure, GPT-4, like endpoints, they were all fine. They were all green, right? So supposedly you would go for the stability and kind of the kind of the corporate backing. There's also like different ISO things and HIPAA compliances, like all these things that Microsoft Azure like proposes on top of OpenAI. But here we have a case where like underlines how how important uh, open models that you host yourself are, even if you host them like maybe on Azure as well, because then nobody can change the moderation endpoints for you and suddenly decide that a few words in your prompt are not <laughs> to be used anymore. Yeah, Quite but the, Alex, this had nothing to do with the prompt, actually. It was actually the definition of the function that was there. And the key is, like, I would draw an analogy to what you call the data contracts. I don't know how many people are aware of data contracts, but when you have ownership of data within a very large organization, let's say 20,000, 30,000 people up, you have data contracts where the data originates from a particular source and some other division is using that data. So you have a contract between those two and that data contract details the data definitions which are there and uh, the contract signed, uh, the signatory of the contract is responsible to ensure that if they change any kind of data structure or data definition, then the receiver of the data or the client of the data contract is supposed to be informed. That is a part of your data contract. And that's how these large organizations function. And what we need is that kind of a framework where you have a data contract with the service provider. So even if you are going with an open source solution, and if your open source solution is hosted by someone, then you need to have that kind of a contract in place. So it's not just that open source solution is a solution for everything. It's about the person who is providing the inference. So if you are controlling the inference, then you're secure because you're not going to make the changes without understanding the repercussions of those changes. But if you are, let's say, hosting open source model on Amazon Bedrock, for example, and if they have a system prompt that, that lies in, in front of your prompt that goes to the, the model, then you have to make sure that Amazon adheres to their responsibility in terms of giving you the required inference. Absolutely. Th thanks for uh, uh, giving us. Uh, first of all, like it's it sucks that it happens, and hopefully now Microsoft, like you said, they changed their their approach here. And Nissan, go ahead if you want to follow up. 
Yeah. So for us, this has been amazing. I already have clients lining up to pay for the Baklava API. Uh, so I'll say that first before it's, it's even out. However, it is extremely unfortunate for those that build, let's say, apps in a hospital or for a therapist. Because now those kinds of applications just had a moderation engine added and they added apparently for their safety. And now whoever was relying on these applications, now they just stopped working out of nowhere. And this is an extremely immature thing to do. This is something you expect from like a random startup with kids, not from freaking Microsoft. And it is pretty worrisome that this safety hysteria has gotten to the point where you're literally just breaking medical applications in production without modifying, without modifying people. Like that's just, you lost people's trust now. You're not going to gain that back for a couple of years. And I hope they realize and don't do this again. Don't break production and make changes to people in prod that are relying on this for like SOC 2 uh, or as in the case of UMass that have signed service level agreements. Because now those people lose all their money if they don't, if they don't provide the service. And it's really bad. I have to say, it's pretty bad. Yep, very bad look for Microsoft. Even I think I remember like not entirely sim similar thing, but for OpenAI when they talked about sunsetting some models, and there was like a developer outcry that said, "Hey, like we use those, we haven't had time to change how we work with different prompts, etc., for the newer models." And so OpenAI actually like, went back and said, "Hey, we heard you, and we're going to release, we're going to deprecate. Deprecation is going to be pre-announced in advance. It's going to be way longer." Uh, let's yeah, let's go ahead. Yeah, very quickly, I think you have raised a very valid point, Alex, there. I think all the models that they actually put out of service, they actually should make them open source. I think that's the best solution. Nah, I wish this was the case. We're still waiting for potentially like open source GPT 2.5. We haven't seen any open sources from OpenAI for a while, besides like some GitHub, GitHub code. I agree with you. There should be a way for folks to keep doing this, the same exact thing they're doing. I don't know. In my example, I use Whisper, no matter like what their API releases, what it's like, what, what they deem in, in, inappropriate to translate the Whisper that I use is hosted and it will be the same version until I decide basically and test everything. All right, folks, we're moving forward. I think just quickly, there's not a lot of stuff in the vision area. I will mention briefly, we've been here for more than an hour, so I'll definitely like recap the space a little bit. If you're joining, let me just play the music and then and I'll recap and then we'll get into the interview. So with, with Hour 15, you're listening to Thursday I. Those of you who just joined us, welcome. If you haven't been here before, this is a weekly space all about AI, open source. As uh, our friend of the pod, Jan, just tweeted out, everybody and everybody in LLM space and open source is, is in here. And very great to see. Uh, we've covered uh, open source stuff. We've covered uh, corporate drama right now. And then we're moving on to uh, an interview and then we're going to talk about AI art and diffusion if we're going to have time at the end of this. There's a brief mention that I want to say, but basically, let me just reintroduce myself. My name is Alex Volkov. I'm an AI evangelist with Weights and Biases. And we have a small segment here for Weights and Biases that I want to choose to just bring. I just came back a few days ago from San Francisco Hackathon that we sponsor with Together AI and Langchain. It was a pretty cool hackathon. It was very brief like a few hours with AGI house. But basically the theme was rag versus fine tune. 
And uh, I think the theme was verses, and I just promised I'll bring some learnings from this. So there's a bunch of projects that did different things. They used together's endpoint for fine-tune. So if you can fine-tune on your models and your GPUs, that's one thing. But for many of the AI engineers, that's very difficult to do. So there's a bunch of startups together as one that they offer like very simple fine-tuning. I'll definitely add my my link to the show notes to the presentation I gave there, which talks about how easy it is to fine-tune using their endpoints. And the folks that won the hackathon, some folks won different prizes, basically used both reg and fine-tune. And it looks like also there was a paper released afterwards from some folks trying to identify what's better. Is it just doing rag on top of fine-tune models or just doing basic rag? And I don't think we have a clear answer yet. Definitely this hackathon wasn't the end-all of all answers. However, it, it does look like doing rag on top of a fine-tune model improves just a little bit on top of just basic rag. And it looks like rag wins on top of just a regular fine-tune for information retrieval tasks as well. So definitely do not skip rag. And I think from the open source perspective, which we love here on Thursday I, getting more rag kind of related models is definitely going to happen. I think we saw some from John Durbin. I think I saw Technium, you mentioned something about like function calling data sets are coming to, to from news as well. So definitely that area is still to be explored, but it looks like the combination of fine-tune and rag wins just a little bit on top of just basic rag. I think this is the outcome of that hackathon. Next week in this corner of 1B is going to be an interview with, with Jason. Stay tuned for that. I think now we have, and many folks have been DMing me because right now we have breaking news. Breaking news actually happening right now. AI breaking news coming at you only on Thursday I. You know I love to use the sound. You know I love to use the sound, everyone. We have some updates from Big Zuck. I don't know if you guys seen this because it's 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 over on threads. And I don't know how many of us are on threads. I definitely know that I'll barely go there. We have some updates from Big Zuck, specifically around training Llama 3. There is like, he updates about the long-term vision. I think the, the summary there is... They have an insane amount of GPUs this year. So like literally he says at the end of this year, we'll have three around 350,000 NVIDIA H100s. So <laughs> I'm going to re repeat this slowly for the people in the back. 350,000 NVIDIA H100s and overall 600,000 H100s uh, or equivalents of compute if you include other GPUs. You remember those hats that people wear, like GPU poor, GPU rich hats? I think Zach can stack the GPU rich hats like one on top of the other and, and it still won't be enough because 600,000 H100 compute is just like ridiculous. And he talks about two major parts of their vision, AI and metaverse are connected. I love how like it was and then suddenly AI started being a thing and now oh, they're connected. I, I definitely am expecting AI to exist in some form of virtual slash world, etc. But definitely he talks about Llama 3 and Llama 3 is coming. They're currently training it per Exactly. We know that's coming, or like we at least expected this, but I think now is like more of a confirmation. And I'm very excited about Llama 3. I will just mention that it's not been a year since Llama 1 yet. So we're in January 18th. I think Llama was released on like around February 12th, 13th or so. And it's not have like it hasn't been a year yet. And here we are like training the third model on top of Llama. We, we've had just an incredible amount of like innovation on top of it. So definitely expecting, and we're obviously going to cover this as, as much as possible. 
So this is, I think, most of it. Oh, and this last thing that he added, Zuck has added, and I think it's adding to Thursday as well, where we have to start talking about hardware, is that he says, I think lots of people will talk to AIs frequently through the day using smart glasses, like what we're building with Ray-Ban Meta. Uh, and I think we've talked about their smart glasses, that they're like multimodal glasses. They have a camera built in them. You can press a button and actually pass the image into the LLM. Uh, they're making improvements in speed as well. I will say just like an additional one thing. We've talked how Meta is adding a bunch of AI into every chat and nobody like necessarily used them. Recently, a friend of mine, maybe because I'm an AI evangelist, so he felt free to do this in our chats. He just added an AI bot to our chat. Literally just like my DM with a friend who has no, nothing about AI, like it's not part of his world. He does something else. Recently, he's like, hey, let me add this thing. So Meta is definitely letting folks experiment with AI more than some other places. And he just added an AI to our chat. It was super cool. So here's an update from Zach. Big Zach, Llama 3 is training. And then they have a lot of GPUs. They're like super GPU rich and hopefully we'll get the benefit. Go ahead, Nissan. That's literally, what, $17 billion worth of H100s? Yeah, they're going to need that if they're going to have a visual stuff from uh, people's glasses but it, it's an it's an insane amount that's all yeah <laughs> yeah i just uh i just ran some quick calculations i got roughly similar numbers to what Nistin just said and uh if i'm doing my math i'm running just some numbers based off the alleged gpt4 leaks of you know amount of gpu hours that it might take let's say if they used all those meta gpus to do a gpt4 level model I'm getting numbers. It would take less than a week, pretty much, to train. Yeah, this is an insane amount of GPUs for people that don't have good references for this. Yeah, I think it, it, insane enough to maybe open a new, new category, like on top of GPU rich. Uh, it's just quite incredible, and uh, like hopefully they're committed to the open source of this in, in Lama Three. Omesh, you had a comment as well. Yeah. What if Lama Three is going to be multimodal? Then they will need those GPUs. I'm really hoping it will. Like they're training the models, like multimodality, something they talked about. It's 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 time to move towards the LMM world and multimodality, and they will need all those GPUs to crank out the vision part of this. Hopefully, multimodal in other areas. A reminder: Meta has released like a bunch of attempts at multimodality in other areas, not only image. IMU motion units, and they've talked about F fMRI signals. They've talked about like incredible stuff, but definitely modality, other modality like sounds, like audio. Live video would be super cool. Like I think this year is the year of live video. So not only, hopefully not only vision, and if it's vision, then hopefully it's like a live video. All right, folks, we're coming up on two hours. And with that, I think this is the summary of today's Thursday. I thank everyone for joining. If you haven't subscribed yet, definitely feel free to subscribe at thursday.news. I appreciate everyone's time and attention here. Thank you so much for the co-hosts and guests for today's pod and shout out everyone and i have to end this on, on the very happy note of the alchemy thing because the one thing that came out from the conversation with with maxime who merges and nistin and everything is that a lot of this is alchemy and a lot of this is like trying to see how, how things work when you combine and not continue train models they still perform better so i have to end this very happy tune which will represent the alchemy that we're all doing and we love it. Thank you everyone for joining this Thursday AI and we'll see you next week. Cheers. And we'll add this banger to the show notes as well. Bye everyone. <laughs>